And that's what we don't want when we have women that have any kind of flaws. We don't want them to feel a level of desperation in the world and that their decisions come from that. We want them to feel like the decisions always come from an empowered place. And that is essentially, you know, the big life thin hair thing and why I even started the whole the whole thing. It wasn't necessarily give people so many tips on like, spray this on your hair, do that on your hair, use that shampoo. It was like, empower yourself because that's where all the good shit comes from. That's how you make show up for yourself the best way that you can in this one beautiful, wild and precious life. And you'll make the best decisions for yourself. And that is the kind of stuff that will like ripple out there in the world. Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Sarah, the host here at the Sacred Remembering Podcast and the creator of Embodied Breath, where I use trauma-informed coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth first to herself and then maybe to the world changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course to help you shift from silence into your sacred truth, my blog with more stories, and links to working with me personally in various durations if that's for you. You can schedule a consultation at sarahpoet.com. Everything changes when we align with the truth of who we are, when we own that truth and claim a path of sacred remembering. I believe it is the formula for everything from personal to global change. Thank you for being here and being a part of that change. Now, here's today's guest. She's the owner of the award-winning Wink Salon in Asheville, North Carolina, and founder of the blog Big Life Thin Hair, which is a resource for women like herself dealing with hair loss, who are ready to put life before hair. She's a speaker on the conference circuit, teaches business classes. She's a coach and member of the, I don't really know how to pronounce this, Renee Fortier Pro Team. It's a hair products line. And she's also a former burlesque starlet. Burlesque. She's so awesome. A mom of two kids and two cats, her passion is cooking delicious food with love. So I always record my podcasts ahead of time. And Christine and I recorded this a few weeks ago before COVID-19 hit. And 
when I was looking at what was coming up next, there's this podcast on, oh, the permission to be big. And right now, I think this applies to a lot of women who are questioning what their permission looks like to be big at this time. I mean, we're always asking ourselves this question, and this is why Christine and I had this conversation. But I think right now, this is a really important inquiry as well, because as a female entrepreneur who is friends with a lot of female entrepreneurs, I am really sensing, um, I don't know if it's a divide, but there is an uncertainty as to how to move forward as I'm going to say as women at this time and women who have something to offer. And it's interesting how a lot of times when something big is going on in the world, big and unpleasant is going on in the world, we shrink and we think, Oh, we can't sell at this time. We can't be big at this time. We can't stand out at this time. There are too many people suffering, which is really interesting right? Um, And while we don't want to be an asshole with our sales at this time, you know, it's, it's almost like (laughs) this is the time for a lot of women to go ahead and give themselves the permission to be big, like maybe more than ever before, because the world needs the wisdom and the gift that you have that you can bring forward. And so is a pandemic a time to be sensitive? Absolutely. Is it a time to exude love and share and be there for people? Absolutely. And does that mean that you have to shrink or go away or it's an inappropriate time to sell the goods that are wanted? No, it doesn't mean that you have to shrink and go away. Not at all. And I've been looking a little bit. I've been watching Christine just on social media as to how she's pivoting because she has a salon. And clearly, my hair is a testament to this right now. <laughs> we need to go to the salon to partake in uh, in the beauty of that service. <laughs> and since we can't get there right now, um, you know, I've been looking to Christine to see, you know, how she's taking care of her staff and what she's doing. And she's pivoting. She's doing some things like more education and um, creating packaged hair dye kits and teaching people how to use them and things like that. And so, you know, is Christine (laughs) DiBenedetto getting smaller because of the way the world is right now? Hell no. Hell no. So I love her so much and I appreciate this interview and, um, yeah, just be in the inquiry of how this applies to you at this time and at different times, you know, like where do you shrink? Where do you rise? What are the conditions that you tell yourself matter outside of yourself or is this an inside job? So there's a lot of potential for inquiry in this episode. Thank you so much for being here and here's the interview. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to talk about big life today and giving ourselves permission um, in this process of sacred remembering to really own the bigness of who we are and of our life. So no one better to talk to about that but you. 
<laughs> so I found you, you're um, local to Asheville and you have a hashtag big life, thin hair. Mm -hmm. And I have thin hair. And I was like, I need to know this woman. <laughs> so can you tell us about what you do um, here in Asheville and also internationally um, with your brand? Yes, I um Thank you. So, you know, I've been living in Asheville for over 20 years and I opened up a hair salon here 15 years ago. So I've been in the beauty business for a long time. I've been in the beauty business for over 20 years as a platform educator, as a um, hairstylist, as a salon owner. Um, and I also am a woman with thinning hair. So Many years ago, I started a little passion project for myself called Big Life Thin Hair as a way to just explore um, topics related to women's thinning hair from the lens that I felt was most interesting to me, which was the lens of people love you no matter what, that you got to still live a big life, even if you have these flaws and things that are uh, challenging, uh, physically challenging to you. Why suffer? Um, you know, so I had these core principles. I've always had them throughout my whole building of this brand of big life, thin hair, which is the big life. And um, the big life is not a, always a shiny, bright, happy life. The big life is a challenging life. Um, there's challenges because, you know, it deals with things that you have uh, some of your deep secrets. Beauty secrets things you might this. not want to necessarily look at. Yeah. But big also meaning that you embrace it all. You embrace it all, you know? So, you know, prior to starting my blog, I, like I said, I, you know, I own a salon. I have many employees. I've trained many people in Asheville. I've uh, worked on, you know, I've been in um, many, all around the country for many hair shows as a, as a platform artist. I think I, um, I really um, had, have been well-versed in my industry. And I also had a burlesque troupe in Asheville for many, many years, which was very diverse in body types and very much a intellectual, smart group of women writing theater and doing vaudeville and burlesque together. So a lot of the narratives that come up when it comes to the questions people have around women's thinning hair and flaws, those are the same things that came up when I was in the burlesque realm. And when we were being interviewed for lots of papers and magazines and articles all over the place, there was always a similar tone of questioning about how can people live these bold, big lives and maybe some of the women be a little heavy set? Mm -hmm. um, and so I get the same line of questioning about like, how, how can people live these big, bold lives and, you know, have visibly thinning hair? So it's, you know, just replace whatever it is right. <laughs> with this flaw and you get these same vapid, boring, tired, old questions, you know, <laughs> cultural bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so these questions were coming from, they're coming from the women that, you know, sit in your chair in the salon. Like, how can I embrace all of myself if my hair is thinning? You know, and then you're also, you're saying you're getting those questions from people who were interviewing you about the burlesque troupe and, and watching what the women were doing on stage and going like, wait, what, how is this woman able to do that? Is that? Well, I don't, not necessarily women sitting in my chair or women in the audience, but you know, the uh, more of the, um, the pop culture machine, you know, people yeah. who interview me for, um, articles and people who from the outside, you know, area looking in now women with thinning hair, 
I'll be honest, like not all of them are quite ready um, to live into their big life. I mean, there's still a lot of women that don't exactly um, have it embodied the, this, this issue for them and are ready to step out there. There's still many women that um, talk to me and reach out to me that are dealing with like significant depression. And um, some of them are suicidal and some of them don't want to leave the house. Some of them are, are not living big. They're living very, very, very small because of their hair or this extrinsic issue. Yeah. Thank you. So what you're doing is so much more than hair. I mean, that goes, it's very, I'm stating the obvious right now, but what you're doing is talking about like a deep psychology about how we feel about ourselves as women and how something like thin or thick hair can affect how we feel about ourselves down to the core. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, everybody has the same questions, you know, am I worthy? Am I, can I be loved? Am I enough? And you know, you already, you already have that programming and those questions that you're, you're, you're seeking relationships and you're looking out in the world to get fulfilled with. And then when you have something that like your hair, which has so many connotations, it's so, so many symbols about femininity and sexuality and attractiveness are all, are all in hair. Mm-hmm. And then you're asking, you know, like, am I good enough? Am I enough? Am I, can, am I worthy of love? And then you have this challenge happening it 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 does get people twisted and wanting to hide yeah some people yeah oh I definitely feel that um yeah being a woman with thin hair definitely have had those I would love to ask you about your own story with this your own journey with this and you know what it may have looked like as a younger woman and and the process of really embracing this um to go into a life of doing hair and talking about hair and also having thin hair or, you know, did your hair get thinner after having children? Like what was your own walk with this? Well, my mom and my grandmother both have, you know, genetic thinning hair and my grandmother wore a wig, but I didn't really get, um, I didn't think that was abnormal, you know, back in the seventies, the late seventies, I thought, Oh, didn't all grandmas wear a wig? I thought everybody's grandma wore a wig, but then you get, um, older and you realize that, you know, it's, it's a veil of sorts. Um, so I think I always had really long and beautiful, thick, curly hair. And then as I got older, it just started to get really, really fine. And then as a hairstylist, that's when I started to really notice the changes that were occurring in my own hair the most. As I was in hair, had my hands in hair every day, and I had limitations about what I could really do with my own hair. Mm-hmm. So when I started to, to um, want to write about it, I wanted to write about it from a, a place of, of more, not necessarily from a place of less. Though I would be a liar if I said that it didn't affect me mm-hmm. and that I didn't have insecurities around it or that I didn't wish for something different. But a way for me to handle some of those like shadowy and deeper emotions that I was feeling was, uh, was research and education and empowerment. And I have access to an industry and I have access to some of the smartest people in my industry. And I did not see a conversation that was happening around this topic that felt like it resonated with me, a conversation that I felt like I could get behind. So I wanted to start one 
And um, obviously, you know, these past 10 years that I've been sort of dabbling in this world of thinning hair, so many innovations have happened. I mean, the conversation is really becoming very much um, present in um, in the in the beauty narrative, and people are seeing in my industry that there's a lot of money on the table here for in the hair loss genre, especially when it comes to women, middle um, you know successful middle aged women mm-hmm. who have a lot of money to spend, who want to be still be relevant and take care of themselves. So the the dominant you know, culture is really starting to have more conversations and more um, products and more information constantly for women with thinning hair. Yeah. And you are like on the cutting edge of this. And so how did it change your salon? Like how, how have you made business decisions about meeting women's needs? I know you and I have talked about this personally, but I would love for you to share just how you train your staff to meet the needs of women who come in and have thinning hair? Well, I think that there's, it's, it's a little complicated because our first foray into working with women with, with, uh, who, who had never been happy at a salon before was when we specialized in curly hair. So we already had that data about what it's like to have a niche market, have a specialty around a, a type of hair that can be challenging or women are like, I can never find a good hairdresser who cuts thin hair, curly hair. You know, so we're using curly hair as the example. That was the gateway that we started to really see like, okay, it's not always a perfect match between the client and the hairdresser. When you come to the hair salon with a litany of expectations and a litany of, of, um, a collection of stories of all the disappointing experiences you've had out there in the world and that either you don't like your hair or you were raised not to like your hair. So the curly hair segment got us really understanding that. Mm -hmm. Then the thinning hair piece was a little bit harder because when you don't have thinning hair, I think that a lot of times stylists don't know what to do. It's a very awkward and touchy subject for stylists. Yes. Versus curly hair where, you know, you're like, okay, you, you can still wrap your brain around it, you know, mm-hmm. but thinning hair, there's a lot more, there's shame, there's like um, pity. Yeah. And when you're a hairdresser and you bring that kind of shame and that pity to that relationship, I think it can paralyze you. Like you don't know what to do. You don't know where to begin. You don't know where to start and you don't know what to say. And so what winds up happening with hairdressers and clients is that they sort of dance around each other in this, like your hair looks fine where you have a client, for example, who has visibly thinning hair, a woman who's saying, I think my hair is thinning. Can you please assess it for me? And then you have a a stylist that says, no, your hair looks fine. So that was the first thing we had to stop. We had to say, we have to be unapologetic. We have to be honest and we have to like, not, we have to honor. It's our honor and responsibility to say, you know what? Yes, your hair is thinning. Here's what I'm noticing. And here's what we can do to help you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like not hiding. I love that. No shame okay. in it. We are, yeah, we're here and we can educate ourselves and through that find empowerment. Love that. I've been, 
what we do best at my salon is we do empowerment education. We yes. don't do wigs. We don't do hair transplants. We are not certified trichologists, which is the study of the hair and the scalp. We're not dealing with people that are coming in with like very, uh, like almost like derm- dermatological issues on their scalp. What we're doing is trying to say, we know hair, we get hair. We have a, a great body of knowledge. We have products that can work. We're going to guide you. We're going to help you on this journey. We're going to be here with you side by side. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not doctors. We don't know if something is like going on crazy inside of you, but we can refer you out. Mm-hmm. And we have products for you to try. But if you abandon them and you don't use these topical things, like likely you're not going to get results that you want. And then the most important thing is that the truth of it is that women do lose their hair. So if you're a woman who is pre-programmed to lose their hair, you're, you're going to lose your hair. And that's part of the truth that we have to be talking about mm-hmm. is that we can only do so much behind the chair. And mm-hmm. then the rest of the work is up to the women as far as being empowered enough to make decisions. We can say, these are your options out there. This is how much money it could cost you. If you want to wear alternative hair solutions like a wig or extensions, here's how to think about it. Here's how to prepare for it. Here's how to forecast for it. But women lose their hair and that's the truth. And the truth will set you free. (laughs) That's where I was just thinking of going next is, and then with that empowerment and embracing, yeah, I have thin hair, you know, which, um, I would say by the time I saw you, it was like right around the turn of when I became an entrepreneur that I saw what you were doing. And I was like, wow, okay. So she's doing this, you know, she's an entrepreneur, she's a business owner and she's owning the heck out of, I have a big life and I've been here, you know? So it was like, it was very inspiring to me because I do think it's something that I've tried to hide or like had, you know, like swoopy bangs because I didn't, um, want it to come through. Like if it accidentally comes through on a photograph, like there's a photograph that I just posted of me on the TEDx stage and I had had my hair pulled back that day. Um, but you know, like my scalp, like you can tell that there's scalp in the picture from like far above with all the lights on me. And, you know, that would have devastated me, um, a few years ago. And now I'm like, I'm on the TEDx stage and you can see my scalp. Like, and that's that, you know, it just is what it is. Um, So I would love to broaden this to, you know, how does this apply to any hang up that we have as women about our bodies? You know, how do we let it stop us? And then I know that you have some awesome things to say about um, what happens when we stop letting it stop us. (laughs) Um, I think that you know, unfortunately, even in 2020, um, women need to ask a lot of permission to be bold and to be big. And, you know, your podcast is about, you know, the intersection and masculine, feminine. And I think that there's a lot of confusion about how we women are to be in the world (laughs) and what really are, the feminine qualities about ourselves versus the masculine qualities about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that we are constantly being assessed by our looks 
and our looks and our relevance in the world based on our looks. And I think as you get to a certain age, and I'm 47 now, uh, if you get to a certain age, you, you begin to realize that that's all just a farce and that the older you get, the really the more powerful you get. You know, many, many years ago, I was looking at a Forbes magazine and the magazine was the most powerful women in the world. And I was browsing through the magazine and every single woman in that magazine was way over 50. Maybe there was one or two that were younger, but most of them were up, up in you know, their 80s. Some of them were in their late, late 80s. And that kind of gave me a sense of relief, like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and that is like a big gift of, um, that is like such a, a huge gift to us as women because you do spend a lot of time obsessing about your flaws in your youth. Yeah. Or maybe millennials are much stronger than, you know, other generations. Oh, as as <laughs> maybe we don't care. But um, you spend a lot of time on cosmetics and saying no to things uh, because you don't want to wear a bathing suit. Or, you know, I know people who won't go anywhere because they didn't shave or they won't go places if they're not showered. There's all sorts of no's that people have around showing up in the world, especially yes. when it's like come, going for fun or they won't go camping because they don't have their makeup. I mean, there's just all sorts of things. And you know what I'm talking about because you oh, have a million, sure. million female friends. Like how many people are like, oh, I can't do that because I don't have any makeup on. You're like, what? It's crazy. Who cares? Um, yeah. So, you know, the hair thing is, is you know, what I like to, to how, how I look at my own life is like, I kind of have to plan a little bit. Like if I know that I'm going to be at places where, um, you know, like swimming in the summertime or this and that, and I know that like, that's not necessarily always the most comfortable thing for me. I just plan. I just plan ahead. I have the stuff I need and I don't care if anybody thinks I'm being high maintenance. I just do what's right for me so I can enjoy my day and not be in my head about it. Yeah. So, um, there are just so many opportunities to let your flaws prohibit you from living a life and even just having fun on a daily basis. And if there's anything I really know, and I, and I really know this because, you know, I've, I've been alive for a long time is that people don't care. People are so attracted to, um, a person, person's warmth and a person's confidence and they're so attracted to a person's intellect and a person's humor any day, more so than what they look like and what their hair is like. And that goes for dating. That goes for everything. It's, it's really about a level of confidence. Mm-hmm. So then the question is always like, how do we get women mm-hmm. to this level of confidence with their flaws? How do we really get, get people to truly, truly embrace who they are? with flaws and take full ownership about them and then just do the best they can. Right. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that? The how, how they do it? Well, I think that part of it is um, you have to have a life, you know, you have to have more things. You have to have be interested in in way more things um, than your physical appearance. Um, And I think that uh, that, that brings a lot of confidence, you know, like, get a job is something that like, I joke around and I say to people all the time, <laughs> I'm always like, get a job <laughs> because I think working and uh, contributing to the world is huge. And 
that right there is just so big for like your self-esteem and your level of confidence. I think getting into your body, doing things that literally get you in, dropping down to your physical body, what, whether it's dancing or taking belly dance classes or doing hip hop, anything that makes you feel a little sexy, um, anything gets you moving, yoga, Pilates, get into your body and make a, have a really good relationship with your body. Um, I think that also saying yes, making sure you're going out and you're connecting with your friends, like you need a tribe. You have to have a tribe of friends that, you know, see all the beautiful qualities in you and know you so well and know that there are, that you are such a dynamic and interesting person. And I think that your tribe like always is there to lift you up when you start to feel a little wanky, like, oh my God, oh, do I look okay? Oh God, is somebody going to like me? Or like, oh shit, now um, everybody's going to know I have thinning hair. Oh my God, now we have to go here. It's always your tribe that's like mirroring back like how amazing you are. So I think those are certain aspects to confidence, you know, like um, Beautiful. feeling like, you know, you need some wins. You need some wins in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that it's like, go out and get them. Don't wait for the permission or for someone else to say, Hey, your hair's okay. Or, Mm -hmm. Hey, I like your body. You know, you're going and doing it. And, and that, that sense of embodiment, like getting into the body and getting into true connection. And so I'd love to bridge, um, you know, we can have relationships with all sorts of humans and bodies and, um, you and I have had a conversation before about, um, women and, and how we perceive men are, um, feeling about our bodies or about our hair. And when we're focused on that, how we show up versus when we are in our power and in our embodiment, how we show up. Do you want to go there? Yeah. You know, I, I have a lot to say about that because I've had some wonderful relationships with men and um, who've all known about my hair loss, who've all um, been around while I've blogged about it and I made videos about it. And, you know, I'm dating right now and I've got a ton of videos out there online about me talking about my thinning hair, me showing my thinning hair to people. And what I will really say about that, and I believe this to be true, is that in relationships, like I think what is very attractive and maybe unspoken to another person is when they see another person, I'll use myself as an example, who's very confident in their, in their feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, that is a, an emotionally um, adept person when you can deal with things about yourself that are challenging or frustrating in a, a healthy, mature, emotional way. That really sends a message out there when you're dating people that you're safe for other people to share their feelings with you. Mm-hmm. And the safer that men or women, whoever you're dating, feel to emotionally connect with you about the things that are truly in their heart or how they feel about the world, that is the fortress. That is what builds a foundation of a relationship. And that is ultimately why you'll see You'll, you'll go out there all the time and let's say you see a guy with a woman who you might not think is attractive. You'll be like, how the hell did she get him? Well, likely she got him because she was very emotionally connected to herself mm-hmm. and was kind and 
um, just treated somebody well and that's it. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for, you know, females too. It's, it's the same thing. It's, it's, um, I think ultimately people are looking for like a true emotional connection, a place where they can be vulnerable and be themselves. Men are a lot more simple than we think as far as what their true needs are. Women um, get it twisted and they overcomplicate everything. It's nice to be sexy. It's nice to look good. And, you know, that's another thing women can do to be confident is to find a really good hairdresser, uh, do things, find the right topical solutions, like, put some lipstick on, like, you know, there's a lot that we can do to our appearance to sort of bolster and heighten up our sexual energy and make us feel really juicy and really sexy and, and look good. You know, just because that you're losing the hair doesn't mean you have to like stop dressing and stop wearing makeup. You don't have to do any of that. And I do see that happen all the freaking time that all of a sudden, like, it's like this one like spiraling effect. Like you all of a sudden you gain weight and then boom, like it's done. Like you just start losing yourself. So like, the laziness factor needs to, people just need to not be lazy, take care of themselves and really realize that like out there in relationships, it's really all about the, the intrinsic world and emotional and, you know, uh, maturity. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not about hair. And it's not about potty. I promise you women get it all wrong. Like men ultimately do not care. They just don't care. And I am certain about that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah. From like having a child super, super young and my body turned from like young woman body right into woman body. (laughs) But then, but then like having that stomach for years, my, uh, my partner did not care. You know, he was like, I don't care. And none of them ever have, you know, and it it was my hang up. And I know that all the women listening can be like, yeah, that's my hang up. And, um, I think what, one of the things you said, I have so many things to say after that, but one of the things you said is, um, you know, when we lead with confidence, the men are going to feel that confidence and follow that lead. And I'm always listening for threads of, like a new paradigm of women's leadership. And for so long, we think, you know, women's leadership means like climbing career ladders and having equal, you know, spots as men or something like that. But this, what you named was an aspect of a new women's leadership where when we know ourselves and we have this sense of embodiment and, confidence and we walk the world with that it's leadership Mm -hmm. and we're showing the world and we're showing men that we are okay coming as we are and we are like we're not looking for the permission um to feel okay in our bodies based on a man's blessing or a societal um you know, fabrication of what women are supposed to look like or something like that. So I think it's like taking it back, like taking back this permission to be big and this courage to be big is leadership. Yeah. And the qualities that are like truly the most important feminine qualities that we have that make us, that make it so fun to be a woman and so fun to be a girl. I mean, it truly is, you know, the, the hair and the makeup and the clothes, it's, 
meaningless. Mm-hmm. You know, I enjoy all of them, but they're, Fun. yeah, mm-hmm. it's the, it's the things that make women so wonderful. It's, it's, it's the loving nature and the warmth and the safety you feel with women. And it's, um, you know, the, the ability to kind of have, you know, macro think and the ability to, um, you know, multitask. And there's just, there's so many qualities about being a, about being a woman that are, are, um, so important and feminine and it doesn't always feel good to lead with some more of those like masculine qualities. So they're very important. You know, we, I have many, I'm very masculine in many ways. Um, but it's that intersection for me that honestly is when things go really well and really harmonious in my life in all my negotiations or relationships, people or with my employees is when I'm leading from that place, that, that intersection. And I'm not completely trying to, um, mirror or be like, uh, Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to, you know, drop in my body and listen and, um, you know, like get my heart and my head working together a little bit more. Um, and be a business person, you know, can't all be all like, you know, what does my body feel? Can't be that. Right. <laughs> um, but it feels really good to, for those other qualities to, to take a, to take front stage. Yes. Maybe some um, of the other things they would go backstage. Yes. Thank you. The last time I was just going to um, comment on the last time I saw you in person in your salon, you had chosen your dress that day based on how you were feeling, but it was, it was so, uh, it was such an amazing dress. You can talk about it. Um, my like sense of style, it's not as advanced. Um, but you look, I mean, you looked so beautifully feminine and you were like a beautifully powerful business owner. Like, <laughs> like no doubt you were going to slay that day, <laughs> you know? Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the dress you had to, it was like that plaid fitted oh, dress. Yeah, so many, I've, I've gotten so many compliments on that dress. Um, honestly, I, 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 you know, I'm not a big shopper. Um, so I don't get really crazy about fashion. I never read fashion magazines. I never would. I would never pick up a fashion magazine or a Vogue or anything like that. I have zero interest in that. I just know what looks good on me. And you know, how it feels I, to be yeah. in it. I just, I, that's, I play to my strengths, you know, and, um, and I love dressing up and I love looking good. And I love also uh, dressing because I'm a boss and I'm out there in the world and I'm 47, you know, I've kind of like earned it. I've kind of earned the right to like, you know, like look, you know, as good as I want to look every day with my thinning hair, I walk around with, with my thinning hair and, and a really beautiful dress on. and it just, I don't care, you know, I really, really don't care. Like I, what I know is that I have choices and that when I start to feel like, okay, maybe my hair is going down the drain too much that I'll have, I know enough to make the best choices for myself and decide what I want to do with that next rung. If I get, if things get worse, but it doesn't change like how I show up in the world. And how I look and how I feel and how I dance and how I move my body and how I get through, get navigate through the world. And I do love that. I love being very feminine and I love also being very powerful. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautifully said. Thank you. 
So I was imagining kind of creating some questions right now for women to ask themselves to check to see if they are, if we are making decisions for others or making decisions for ourselves. And maybe we could end with that unless there's something else you want to talk about as well. I'm totally open. But, you know, questions like when you get dressed, are you thinking about what someone else is going to think? Or are you thinking about how you feel in your own body? You know, like that's one point of consciousness, right? Because so I want to leave listeners with, hey, let's let's give ourselves permission to do it differently. So what are some of those kind of checkpoints that you can imagine with me? First, I can only speak for myself. I do everything for me. (laughs) I I pick, you know, like, you know, I, I pick the best things for me, you know, all the time. I never buy anything And I think other people are going to like this. I look at myself in the mirror. I'm like, oh, hey, girl. Oh, yeah, that looks good. Like I am am basically putting on a show for myself all the time. That's part of like how I live big. You know, like I am... I am dealing with all, with all, I've got plenty of things that I'm dealing with. I've got plenty of shit that's going on in my life, right and wrong. But I am a very confident person and my confidence has come from my flaws. It has come from a lifetime of like having shit happen, bad shit happen, and then getting right back up, having things, you know, like acne or thinning hair or being overweight or this and that. Like I've had plenty of stuff that happened to me that wasn't exactly like, um, um, you know, so popular that just made me get up and get back. And so what that's done is that it's like created this like super confident monster of, of a self. And it's, it's a real true thing because you, know, you just have to learn to love yourself. And that's what I want. I want to see women love themselves and not just like their extrinsic qualities, but their decision, decision-making skills and how they show up, how they, how they talk on a phone, how they order at a restaurant, what they, how they, how they navigate their own world. And I, you know, fiercely independent and I really like, like I said, I like everything I do, I do for me. I don't do anything because I think anybody is going to like it. Now I do, I, you know, I'm dating. And of course, you know, like when I, when I see, um, this person I'm dating, I I always like want to look extra nice, but that just makes me feel really good Mm -hmm. more than him. You know, it makes me feel really good. And that's what I do. Like I, I do it all for me, Sarah. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yes. And I want to say that that doesn't make you a selfish or a selfish person or a bitch or, you know, like I know and trust that when you go on that date, you are also showing up with your heart, with your emotional intelligence, like with your full presence, because it's not like a, I think it would be a dark feminine or a shadow feminine to be like, now, because I feel good about myself, y'all are going to treat me exactly, you know, like it's not a demanding essence, but it also attracts, like when you show up in your confidence and like that, like you're describing and you show up with your heart, knowing who you are, that is naturally magnetic. 
naturally magnetic. So things start to show up in your life or a man start to say, who is this woman? Let me know her. Like, and, and the respect actually goes up. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that women, if they wanted to, can take any flaw, any issue they have and make it sexy. Yeah. And part of what makes it sexy is how we, how we own it, how we talk about it, how we feel about it, how it makes us feel. And then, you know, how, um, you know, how we, how we just basically, we continue to just be brave among what, any kind of adversity. It's the emotional, like, like we were talking earlier, it's that emotional security. It's knowing that you are an emotionally adept emotionally mature person and that you ultimately make the best decisions for yourself and you make decisions out of an empowered place, not out of a desperate place. And that's what we don't want when we have women that have any kind of flaws. We don't want them to feel a level of desperation in the world and that their decisions come from that. We want them to feel like the decisions always come from an empowered place. And that is essentially, you know, the big life, thin hair thing. And why I even started the whole, the whole thing it wasn't necessarily give people so many tips on like, spray this on your hair, do that on your hair, use that shampoo. It was like, empower yourself because that's where all the good shit comes from. That's how you make show up for yourself the best way that you can in this one beautiful, wild and precious life. And you'll make the best decisions for yourself. And that is the kind of stuff that will like ripple out there in the world. And the more we can have women just like embodying that and feeling confident, the more we're just going to continue to raise beautiful, amazing, woke children, men and women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That feels like an amazing point to end with. I I just feel like you culminated it for us. I would love for you to tell everyone listening where to find you on the web and anything else you want to share about any other offerings that you have going on right now, because you work beyond the salon too. Yes. Thank you. I am, um, I'm actually, I have my website is big life thin hair. And of course my salon website is I love wink.com, but I don't do hair anymore at all. I've transitioned into speaking and, um, courses and just basic salon ownership now. So I'm relaunching my big life thin hair website. And I'm also, um, putting out a really great course for women. Um, and it's really about how to deal with their thinning hair and how to be more confident, how to get into their body a little bit more. And, uh, that course will be coming out probably in the next like three weeks. And I'm really excited about that. And I think, um, there's a lot of great hair information and there's a lot of really great other information to help women sort of connect. And I think, um, I get a ton of emails from women all the time and I just cannot always respond to all those emails and tell women individually what to do. So I'm like, this is what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a course last year for hairdressers because that conversation has got to be popping in the salon. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is basically what's happening in speaking and just, you know, trying to continue to just get the message out there to just like see these women live big lives and get empowered and feel sexy and feel really juicy and wonderful in their own skin. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for doing it. I know that you've impacted my life and like thousands above of other women and men. So thank you so much. Um, are you also doing business coaching? Um, yeah, I actually am. And I am teaching at Mountain BizWorks. I teach business foundations at Mountain BizWorks. And I also do some um, business coaching for, uh, for women business owners on the side. Awesome. I love I love that. Yes. Okay. Well, now everyone knows where to find you. Thank you so much for having this conversation here today. Thank and you, Sarah, I really appreciate you having me. 
Oh, oh my gosh. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to Christine for this interview. Thank you for everyone who's taken the time to listen today. And I sure do hope that you give yourself the permission to be big. So it's April and I wanted to let you know that in May, all of the episodes are going to be dedicated to the mother, the archetype, the human, um, (laughs) the good stuff, the hard stuff, all things mother and motherhood in May. So keep tuning in. I totally appreciate you being here. And don't forget to go on over to Facebook and the Sacred Remembering Facebook group. It's there for you. I really encourage you to ask any questions that arose for you in this interview or any interview and just hop right in with your true and authentic self. And we can't wait to meet you. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path, and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com, for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend, and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected, and here's to your path of sacred remembering.